Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show that we broadcast live from the Upload Virtual Studios. I am your host, Kyle. We have a great show for you today. Lots of fun, exciting things to talk about. Who do I have on the panel with me today? Off to my left. Hello, uh, everyone. Ian Hamilton, or more accurately, I suppose this is Ian Hamilton's avatar using Oculus 1.0 avatars. I'm David Heaney, and I'm excited to talk about everything from VR gloves to AR glasses. Okay. All right. So, first piece of news. Qualcomm CEO says Quest 2 is at 10 million units. A comment from the CEO of Quest 2 chip provider Qualcomm, not Qualcomm, mind you, Qualcomm, suggests the headset formerly known as Oculus Quest 2 is well on its way to success. And I was excited. I was like, hey, great. We've got real numbers here. That 10 million. Uh, But that's not really what they said, is it? Ian. Uh, yeah, it's what they said. He just backed off the comment afterwards and claimed it was based on market estimates. Whereas uh, this is Qualcomm, the maker of the chip that's inside the Quest 2. So they know how many of those chips they sent over to Facebook and or, or to Meta. And it's really not an open question of just how many. The, what, what becomes is how many have been sold so far and how many have been sold through they'll send a bunch off to this retailer this retailer and how many of those have actually been sold uh yeah that's the uh xr2 chip is that the qualcomm xr2 heaney did they sell 10 million to facebook or did facebook sell 10 million quest twos they say this was quote an average of third-party market size estimates from industry analysts. Now, I think we can pretty confidently say here that the CEO of Qualcomm was unlikely to have read all of the industry analyst estimates, multiplied them together, and divided them by the number of them when he gave his 10 million figure. Because not only is that you know quite absurd to believe, but there are no third-party estimates that go over 10 million, so I'm not sure how that would have averaged down to 10 million. It's unlikely that the CEO of Qualcomm does not know, at least roughly, to the nearest 5 million, how many XR2s they've shipped <laughs> to their largest. To their, to their, yeah, it's very unlikely to me that they would not know this figure. It's very unlikely to me that he would never have sat in a boardroom where they're being shown the seals for their new verticals, you know, automotive, AR, VR, and seen a 10 million figure. So... What we have to understand is there are very strict rules on how public companies disclose sales figures. And this was a very quick comment by the Qualcomm CEO, though it was definitive. He didn't slip in his words. He didn't accidentally say it. He didn't correct himself. So I think we can confidently say that what's happened here is he has given the real figure of the number of units shipped to Meta, though that doesn't mean shipped to consumers. It means shipped to Meta. And very quickly, he's realized that's not something he can actually give out in that format. And the PR department have come up with something to cover his ass on that. Now, obviously, that could be wrong. Maybe, it's just my maybe view he on can this. give it out in that format, but it's a problem for Meta to give it out in that format. And Meta's uh, uh, paying them a lot of money. Right? I still think there are, there are, as far as I'm aware, for U.S. public companies, there are very specific mechanisms they have to go through to reveal sales figures. And I don't think saying it on stage like that 
would count. But yeah, you're right. It could also have been a, a quick backlash from Meta itself. Ten million goes back several years as this marker in the sand that Mark Zuckerberg has placed, for which, when the Quest platform or any VR platform in particular has more than 10 million users on it, then you start getting to the size where you can expect that a friend or someone in your social network has a headset and you can go do something fun with that person on a more regular basis as time goes on and on. But 10 million kind of being this magic number in a lot of heads for what the the platform needs to achieve before that network effect happens of being able to already find someone else that has a headset and do something fun with them. So that's been marked by a lot of people out there for years now. And it's weird for them to toss out that same number at the same time. But uh, we also have to put that in context of Andrew Bosworth earlier this year saying that he expects meta to achieve that marker earlier than they expected yeah i think the other thing for that 10 million active users is that they believe that's the point at which developers can healthily start building games and expect to make the money back if they're if they make a good game that's received well and you can see studios that become vr game studios that don't need this external funding but obviously the context we need to put here is that if that's 10 million XR2 chips shipped to Meta, then that's we're still far off 10 million active users because if there's not even 10 million shipped yet. As to Kyle, why I don't think the guy would have just been lying. Firstly, what would have been his incentive, the CEO of Qualcomm, to lie? Secondly, it's very illegal to lie to investors, and this was at Investor Day, so I, doubt, I really doubt he lied. Now, wait a minute. I'm not suggesting that he lied. I'm suggesting that he believed wrong information to be true. Why would they release a statement afterwards that it was based on market estimates that we don't actually, we were watchers of the space and I can't point you to what market estimates he would have been citing. That statement afterwards points to what Heaney suggested more than anything else. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems yeah, the average of third party estimates would get you to around six or 7 million. It wouldn't, it wouldn't get you to 10 million. It's, there's no way that that is what they're saying unless they're talking about analysts that we do not have access to in any way and haven't heard of, which seems unlikely to me. So the XR2 chip exists in, I believe our article indicates like almost 50 different headsets. Is that accurate? So Qualcomm says it's in over 30 different devices, but in terms of how many devices people that anyone has actually used in the West, as in how many of those are what a couple of companies have built a reference design and shipped out a few to developers. There's only there's less than a handful of those devices that have actually shipped at scale. You would have of Quest Two at the top, Vive Focus Three, and then everything else would come after because there's really no other device that's shipping at scale with an XR Two. Yeah, yeah. So imagine this: the head of this company has got this chart in his head. He's got all these numbers in his head that he's shipped. I don't know, fifteen or twenty million of these XR Twos. I'm just speaking off the cuff here, but let's say he's he knows he's gotten orders for this many and he's made this many number of these chips and it's somewhere on 15 to 20 million probably it'd be my guess but the majority the vast majority of those is probably going to be quest 2 and you can imagine 
just speaking off the cuff saying, oh, and yeah, uh, Quest uh, 2, that's the largest number at 10 million, and we're just, we're in everything. You could you can imagine that being the off-the-cuff statement and then realizing very quickly afterwards, maybe even while you're even saying it, that uh, Facebook or Meta wouldn't exactly want you to say that publicly. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like a weird, controversial piece of news. A, a statement and then a rollback retraction clarification type of thing afterwards. Is it possible to put my, do I have a virtual tinfoil hat that I can put on my head? Maybe this was meant to cause controversy, create news. I, I, is that ridiculous? To- I think when Facebook is ready to say this number, they will say it. So they've already kind of, Facebook does this thing, Meta does this thing, and I'm going to keep repeating this for all of our different viewers each week because it was very apparent this plan of using the term metaverse six, nine, nine months before actually rebranding the entire company with this meta name. So you're like training and readying the public to start using that terminology. And I don't know if that's there's anything more at play here right now than that larger effort. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so well, important I mean, to remember. If you think about it, Meta may be happy that this came out because now people are saying 10 million Meta quests were sold. Whether or not it's true or not, it's out there. And it's. Oh, my finger got stuck. It's <laughs> out there. And I don't, I can't help but wonder if that was strategic. I don't know. I think about things like that with price leaks. Yeah, there, and there's yeah. also value in letting people know that you're very likely to find friends, that Quest is its breakthrough year. So yeah, like the, 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 per, the, whether this was on purpose is an open question, but it does do a lot of things to be able to reinforce that there's this headset. It's it's actually got a slightly different name. Now just call it Quest 2. Don't call it Oculus. And there's actually quite a... There's millions of them already out there, and it's there's a good chance you'll find a friend that has one. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I saw this news piece travel very quickly, and... Uh, and that number was talked about very quickly and, and very robustly. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's pretty interesting. Butter something says, easy for investors to realize how big this space is. Yeah, that, that, is, the, that is the side effect of this. No. Oh, what did you say, Kyle? What did you say under your breath? No, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Go back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Please. No, it didn't happen. No, I don't think anybody heard that. Okay. Are we back? Okay. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good little emoji. That one that D one three sixty put in the chat of the little loading icon. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. See, every time this happens where a stream goes down, I immediately, again, still having my virtual tinfoil hat on, I immediately think that somebody pulled a plug somewhere 
to stop us from talking. <laughs> Some- D1 360 mentioned Heaney, you too damn high, because he's like up in this. He went up to heaven to turn it back on. He did. Uh, well, that, you know, it's, it's, we stream this from the cloud. So he had to reach up. <laughs> That's a terrible job. I am, I'm actually sorry there, about that. Flipped one. a switch, came back. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, right. 10 We're million. not doing this on purpose, Artful. No. And we'll go back on four weeks into our previous streams and you will find us with blank dead avatars. And we literally did not do that on purpose. As we were doing it, Kyle, I was thinking like, does it look like we did something to make this demonstration happen? And no, we literally just came into the studio that David Heaney has built. And those avatars that were Facebook powered were, del- were you know, gone from existence because the servers are down. We didn't do yep. that on purpose. It just, no. it just happened. It just happened. Valdarg, Reload VR kind of moment. Uh, you should check out ReloadVR.com. I encourage <laughs> everyone to do so. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Okay. We, we talked about Qualcomm and 10 million and yes, but no, but maybe. Do we have anything further we want to talk about that particular subject? 10 million. No, I think we like- can... But the takeaways, regardless, forget what the number was specifically. I think you can base off of that comment a pretty strong language that, like, officially speaking, Quest is the largest VR platform. Mm. Like, yeah. we, we can't, we've always had to kind of preface that statement with a lot of ifs, caveats, maybes, probably's, like, just very wishy washy language. And, even if they backed off this 10 million specifically, I think it's strong enough now to say like between the steam VR and all the other numbers we've got that quest is far and away the largest VR platform here. here. Let me put it into context here. Somebody go do this search for me. Cause obviously we're on the show. We can't do it. How many Dreamcasts were sold? Just curious. I don't know that off the top of my head, but what I think is interesting is that the number of Nintendo Wii U's sold was 13 million, and that was considered the biggest failure of, of modern console history. So while I do think we can confidently say that Quest is the largest VR platform yet, we still have to put that into context and realize that that's still very small compared to mainstream gaming platforms, and, and VR is still very early in its progression, though Quest does seem to be the first platform that's getting anywhere near mainstream appeal. Yeah, the Wii U. That was, they could have called it the Wii Pro or the Wii Plus. Use that kind of nomenclature. But they're not going to go. I was, all right, ah, are we going to debate that? I think we're going to call it Horizon. Cambria? I think it's Horizon. What do you think? You think it's going to be called the Meta Horizon? Yeah. I doubt that we It's the best name that they, we can propose right now. It's the, the name that they've adopted the most, and it's the one well, that they want you to go into all those social apps in for eight, ten hours a day. It's already, yeah, it's already their brand for their social VR apps. I don't uh, think. You know what? I look forward to years from for another now. time. <laughs> yeah, but I look forward to years from now when they finally sunset that headset. Oh, oh. those headlines are going to be so good. Uh, 9.13 million Dreamcasts were sold. So, new, news line, news uh, headline. Meta Quest 2 sells more than Dreamcast. There you go. Or was it Wii U? Are we talking about Wii U or Dreamcast at this point? No, they're saying saying Dreamcast, yeah. See? 
I picked the right one. Yeah, okay. I had a Dreamcast. Uh, it got returned. It got returned you? to the store. Oh. Well, still a big fan base for that. Okay. A next piece of news here. Epic CEO. Metaverse, a multi-trillion dollar opportunity. The chief executive officer of Epic Games, his name is Tim Epic, sees the metaverse as a potentially multi-trillion dollar part of the world economy. Tim Epic said some stuff. He's on board with the metaverse. Actually, I've muted myself, but that was a pretty good joke. That was I laughed oh, a lot you. at Tim Epic. That was pretty good. Tim Epic. Yeah, so I talked to Tim Sweeney a while back at one of the GDC conferences, cornered him and like, where's Fortnite in VR? And he got all like stuttery, like, I'm not talking about that right now. He's like, I will say, okay, AR is going to be a very big opportunity. And that's what Epic has skipped to is AR and the question is, how do you get Fortnite to become the basis for their API endpoints, I guess, is, well, is the way to, to say it. So my kids, I'm not a huge Fortnite fan, but my kids play Fortnite a lot. And when that first concert with the rap concert, what was that, uh, Little Nas 10, he... That was pretty substantial. The kids watched that. And I was like, you know what? If that was like projected right here in our living room where he could be performing right here in my living room with AR, I remember thinking that day, wow, that would be pretty amazing. And yes, I know I'm saying the name wrong on purpose, but I wonder how much Epic is working on their version of the metaverse and will it look like Fortnite? It will it just be Fortnite on a headset? Will it be just Fortnite in AR? I, yeah. I, doesn't it's, it need to be it's more Fortnite than that? backed by it's Fortnite backed by Unreal Engine, partnered with whatever other companies will come to the table on standardizing around uh, certain open principles that they can agree. There's, I'm still convinced there's going to be like a round table meeting between several of these executives. And they're really going to have to hammer out some basic principles that each of them will agree on, on interoperability. And that's avatars, uh, one-to-one calling. Like how do you address, how do we do a VR call? How do we do a hollow call? And how does that work out? Those sorts of things need to be worked out amongst Tim Tim Epic and Tim Apple. They need to get together. <laughs> the Tims. The Council of Tims must convene. The Council of Tims and Marks must convene and come up with standards because we all have seen that XKCD uh, comic. Standards are easy to come together and, and create one true standard. I, I don't see that happening, Ian, because... Everybody wants to rule the metaverse. Well, yeah, <laughs> you just do this thing. That's pretty good. Yeah, so I do believe in this future of the world in which billions of people are wearing AR hardware, AR glasses are their everyday life. And I believe that's the entertainment platform of the future is what he told us in, nine, in 2019. And then here he said, right now in 2021, the next three years are going to be critical for all of the metaverse aspiring companies like Epic, Roblox, Microsoft, Facebook. 
It's a race to get to a billion users. Whoever brings on a billion users first would be the presumed leader in setting the standards. So to your point, it's going to take a while. They're all competing for position. But I'm still convinced that two or three of them agreeing on interoperability to each get 300 million of the first billion is is potentially a winning strategy. My kids also play a lot of Roblox, and it is one of those platforms that I I understand why it is so appealing to children. But when I look at, <laughs> I'm standing over top of my 11-year-old's shoulder, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, this is Roblox. And I'm looking at the interface, and I'm like, this interface makes me want to punch the screen. Like it is so, it is so awful. The UI, the way you interact with it, it is just so bad. I know. That, I've tried oh. to run Unity and I've, I've gotten really upset at that user interface. And like, there's people who spend 68 hours a week in that interface and like, my heart yeah. goes out to you. And then like, I'm looking at what they're doing with Unity and going like, those poor children. Yeah, like, so they're bad. still doing amazing stuff with it. Yeah. With Roblox specifically, its advantages are its disadvantages in a sense. It's been around for so long that it's such a powerful tool that arguably is one of the leading metaverses today, if you can even use that word in plural. And because those creator tools are so powerful, that is why people spend so much time in it. But that has the disadvantage of the fact that they started building those tools so long ago that by today's UI standards, they are quite outdated. If if a platform that can come along that makes creating these worlds and experiences much easier, if one that can allow it to happen in virtual reality where you just use your hands directly rather than trying to wrestle with a user interface, I think that's going to be the most popular because if you really look at even social platforms today, look at TikTok, for example, it didn't take off simply because of the content. It took off because it had the better creator tools than Instagram or Snapchat. It allowed people to build the content that they really wanted to. So if we can see the same thing in the metaverse, and that's going to be the winning platform in my view. Not the one that has the best user experience, but the best creator experience. I love that. Uh, I don't know. So, Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, no, I love the creator experience being the the marker here. Rec Room, people are bringing up Rec Room and comparing it to Roblox. And I uh, had this experience, Kyle, recently where I've got my oldest on a Rec rec room junior account so yeah. that there are there's no chat features built into rec room and so like my kid isn't annoying the other people out there in rec room and none of the people out there in rec room are annoying my kid and it's a pretty good way to let them explore some of the cool worlds out there and play paintball or whatever without actually having to think about voice chat being an issue but uh, Quite recently, started subscribing to the Rec Room YouTube channel and looking at the Maker Pen and trying to figure out what can be done with that tool and going, can you upgrade me to a full-fledged account? Because I want to have that Maker tool. And it's a very clear ramp up there onto making once you get hooked on some of the activities you can do in these places. Yeah, I've watched my... My older daughter, she gets on too, and she says, oh, look, I've made a mall. 
and I've made this and know oh, that for Halloween, they made like a little Halloween, like uh, corn maze and they did all these things and they're like, come over here and take a look at this. And I'm like, Oh, cool. How did you do this? How'd you do this? And they start pulling up the maker stuff in Roblox. And I'm just, <sighs> it, it like frightens me that they use this to create that. The end result is glorious, but see the challenge is that it's going to have to stay that way. It's going to have to stay that way for the kids to continue to build stuff with the interface that they appreciate. And they know as soon as you start changing it, they're going to go, I don't want to make things anymore. I I don't know. I don't know. I think we might be doomed to simplicity in creation. It's hard to imagine how Roblox is going to transition into the kind of VR age eventually, given all that legacy architecture and, and the kind of design process currently. I would honestly have to bet, given you know the success of their IPO and the amount of money they'll have to play with, that eventually we'll see some sort of Roblox 2, even if it's not by that name, when they do try to move into VR. And obviously, the current climate has basic PC VR support, but if you actually try it, it's pretty terrible. It's just an experiment, essentially. I'm talking about proper standalone VR support first class. Yeah, I brought I it up one night. Who is that? Was it you, Kyle, that said Meta is missing this? Regardless of all these things that Meta is building and trying to build themselves, it's still not the social network for youngsters and what they want to do. I've talked to, there's a lot of young people on Instagram. There's, and, and there's plenty of like use cases for what is it? WhatsApp is their international sort of calling platform. But Facebook and Meta still don't have the the young people, and they don't have the interest of young people, and those are their future. Those are future adults, and if they don't get those people buying uh, Meta hardware soon and enjoying all the things they can do with Meta hardware, they're going to lose those people to Apple or Google. I brought up at dinner a little while back with my children. I said. Oh, well, wait until Roblox gets into VR. And my oldest says, she's like, oh, they already have VR for Roblox, but it sucks. And I'm like, oh, uh, okay, why? It's just, I'd rather just do it on the screen. Okay. But then they'll jump into Rec Room, and they'll do Rec Room and have an equal amount of fun in Rec Room as they do in Roblox doing different things. And then I think, oh, Where are the kids getting into Horizon? To your point, Ian, is Facebook going to have to buy Rec Room or are they going to try to build their own Rec Room in Horizon? Well, so they in in the Supernatural acquisition, there was this line in the very brief announcement where they basically say this acquisition is subject to uh, customary closing conditions and like SEC approval. So there's this acknowledgement that in my opinion, that like some lawyer at at Meta has realized that, yeah, there's there is an open possibility that any of these acquisitions going forward could be stopped on anti-competitive grounds. I think that if they were going to buy Rec Room, it probably would have happened years ago. And I think Horizon Worlds essentially is their Rec Room clone or their Rec Room competitor, depending on how you want to freeze it. It, it has a, a lot of the same ideas. A lot of the tools are very similar in design. A lot of the architecture. It's pretty, Horizon Worlds is essentially Meta's rec room. But do you remember what Carmack said in his giant keynote at Facebook Connect, where he said that you can judge a product based on how many users it has, and 
Horizon has users, and then he just ended it there, and he moved to the next subject. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, though I guess that's pretty unfair given Horizon Worlds isn't actually released. You, if you want to get into it, you can't unless you're given a specific invite. So I feel like that will be the big test of Horizon Worlds. None of the analysis that anyone gives before means anything. What really matters is when it becomes a publicly available app, how many people choose to use it over Rec Room or VR Chat. If more choose to use it, it's a successful product. And if less choose it, then they failed. So it, I think that's a pretty understandable and measurable metric of whether this is going to work or not. Yeah, we're not saying that Meta is buying Rec Room. We're just speculating of how are they going to get that 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 customer base that already exists on Rec Room, on Roblox, on Fortnite. How is Meta going to challenge that? And one so, of the possibilities, they could buy a platform that already exists or they could try to build their own and get the same number of people in it. And that's where I think the challenge lies. Yeah, and so I, the thing that gets me about that is, I don't know how many people out there have seen Silicon Valley, the TV show on HBO, but mm-hmm. there is this joke very early on in the series of uh, people going to Silicon Valley, essentially quitting their job, but not actually getting fired. They just go to the rooftop and just hang out because they don't have a project anymore at their company and don't have a job, but the company doesn't want to fire them. uh, They're still under contract. Yeah, they're under contract, and so they just have this person. And so they just go up to the rooftop and just hang out. Or they just floaters that don't do anything um, and get very fat paychecks for it. If you think about long term how these projects get developed at these companies, like I wonder how many people get in those situations at these super large corporations. You've got thousands and thousands of people working at Meta and Facebook, and it's changing all the time. And the the thing that I always get, like when you're adding those hundreds and thousands of people, how do you make sure that they're always working on things that are valuable. And I think that's what we've got here is a company that uh, repositions itself every six months to work on smarter and smarter products. And that means reorganizing all the time. And the reason I brought up that Silicon Valley example is I think back to they've done spaces, they've done rooms, they've done uh, a couple other examples of social VR efforts. And can you imagine being at Facebook with like a 10-person team in 2016 developing a social VR experience? And here we are a full five years later, and you've got Horizon Worlds, and we're still discussing the potential of Facebook throwing all that work away and all those product managers and saying, nah, none of your work is good compared to Rec Room. Let's let those guys take over. I get that point. I get that point. And I'm sure that everybody who purchased a Facebook phone also gets that point. It, it, that, that's something they spent a lot of time and effort and resources and positions in. And where is that group now? I'm just saying. It's yeah. been known to happen. Yeah, I, I, I think that you 
what you're talking about here, both of you, is probably why this year they did form that metaverse product group as a separate thing to the to general VR software and content group. And from the looks of it, based on they're putting some of their biggest Instagram executives there, they're hiring talent in the EU, as they've announced. It looks like that is what they're trying to get there, a focus, a, a specific divisional focus on just build us this metaverse product and forgetting about the other aspects of VR so that it can be siloed. And we've yet to see what that group will produce. We don't even know the details of what they're working on other than Horizon Worlds, but it's definitely going to be one to follow. And you can see that Zuckerberg's put some of his most trusted people onto that project. Yeah. I just want to remind everybody that this news piece was basically Tim Epic saying, hey, I have stuff to say about the metaverse too. And we ended up talking about meta, I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. You can bring it up at the Council of Tims and Marks. You know what? It's probably going to be called the Council of Mark and Tims, just so you know. Just to make everybody equally angry across the board. What else do we want to say? For poor Timmy time here. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't much. put it past Unreal. The fact that it's Fortnite and Unreal combined is what makes this company such an unexpected competitor here. They can do some real damage to the power of existing platforms if they team up with the right people or make the right product moves. I'll be very curious to see what Unity does and again, I'll be curious to see what partnerships happen in the next year. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good place to leave that piece of news. Oh, all right. Are, are you guys ready? Are you ready? Okay. Let's do this. Because I know a lot of you probably came to listen to this specific conversation. So let's start slow. First piece of news here. Meta shared details of its long-term research toward haptic gloves with force feedback for VR and AR. Okay. Meta showed a glove system that has feedback and haptics that are above and beyond the little buzz that you get when, you know, mom texts you and asks you for a Christmas list in end of October because she needs to go out and shop. This is Meta's glove experience, and they've released this. It seems like it's new tech. They've never shown a glove before. What do we all know about this glove so far? Yeah, Let so me preface you... this by saying the last thing I think we heard in depth about gloves was from Michael Abrash saying that when you actually feel haptic hands, really believable haptic pressure and and sensations that convince your brain the same way that your eyes and your ears can be convinced that it will be as transformative as any other of the breakthroughs that we had if that first moment when you tried room scale vr was the moment this all clicked for you and everything eye opened the moment you feel this future breakthrough on your hands is going to feel as eye-opening. So I just want to preface that, and I think Kini has a, a lot of really good detailed stuff here to share. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, as you say, Kyle, when people say, I want a VR glove, and they look at 
the VR gloves that are out there from various companies, from various DIY projects, it is very important to distinguish that some of most of these gloves are just hand tracking with per finger vibration or sometimes a few vibration motors per finger. But what, what we're talking about here when we're talking about force feedback gloves from companies like Haptex and companies, other companies in the space are gloves that can actually restrict the movement of your fingers as you try to grip a virtual object so that you feel that there really is something in your hand. And until very recently, until Sense Glove, getting a product like that would cost you north of $10,000. And by you, I would generally mean an enterprise or a business. This isn't something that's currently sold to consumers. So in October, we actually saw a new glove launch for $5,000. But that is the lowest that this technology has ever been offered for. So Meta says that its goal is to develop soft, lightweight, stylish, comfortable, affordable, durable, and customizable gloves that are capable of simulating a range of complex, nuanced sensations such as pressure, texture, and vibration to create the feeling of a virtual object within your hands. And uh, are, are you casting that video there? Yeah. I did the image. I haven't done the video yet. So I want to okay, bring yeah. up a few things that you said here, Heaney. There are companies out there right now that have gloves with the resistance that can pull back on your fingers and give you the feeling that you're going to you're going to you're going to touch so you're going to grab something that will stop your fingers. I know that there is a company in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, Contact CI that is actually uh, doing something very similar to that. They're very close to I think shipping something that will do the resistance, but they have the buzzing on the fingers and the hands, which is what we see uh, very commonly in all these gloves. So this is the video of oh, look at that Oh, is that a Rift S? How I missed you. This is basically what Meta is offering. Now, you said stylish. Do you think that just like with uh, the stories that they aimed with Ray-Ban, do we think we're going to see this Meta gloves brought to you by Isotoner? Who, who does gloves nowadays? I don't even know what company does trendy gloves now. So I was, I've seen about sports. I'd be curious to see. It would be inspired to see Meta lean into sports apparel companies or sports partnerships. I think there's a lot that they could do to get. I I have a tennis star in the family. Very good at tennis, and we went out to the tennis court over the weekend and tried. Quest one worked in the lighting. Quest two didn't, and I'm thinking it's as it was as different as the black of the Quest one absorbing light and then making it the the lights on those controllers being more visible. The headset worked, but the controllers wouldn't track. But if Meta's doing this rebranding and they're trying to distance themselves from the Facebook brand, why not go and sponsor a whole bunch of athletes out there and start showing them using their VR versions of these sports? and get some buy-in that way. It seems like that would be a, a, a no-brainer move for Meta to try to do in the not-too-distant future. Haptics are this missing piece that it's so cool to think about long-term, and what we have is so rudimentary, and I want to do a shout-out here to Sony on the DualSense, on 
the DualSense controllers and the resistance you get out of those triggers being some of the best future glimpse-worthy tech that I've seen in anything recently. I love those DualSense controllers, but there's just not a lot of content built for it yet. Yeah, that's really the first resistive device we've seen shipped to consumers, uh, unless there's something I'm forgetting about. I, I don't think anyone else has done what those PlayStation 5 triggers have done. Obviously, has a product out there. There, we know from their patent portfolio that they're working on gloves like this for the future. But just to be clear, for anyone kind of thinking that this is going to be a product sometime soon, this is something that Meta describes as a moonshot, casting a vision for what our digital worlds will look like in ten to fifteen years. They in the blog post where they talk about the technology behind this, they reference the fact that they're actually needing to invent entirely new materials. They're referencing the fact that currently these gloves are produced using a semi-automated process that requires skilled engineers and technical workers to build each specific glove. And one of the things they, they say they'll need to build if this was ever to become a product is an entirely new manufacturing technique to somehow weave the kind of smart textiles, as they call it, into these gloves and to even further complicate matters. They say that for the best experience, this really should be something that is tailored per user. So they'll have to find a way to measure your hand size or shape, or perhaps they can just offer a set of shapes that you can measure and then manufacture these to your hand. So there's this is something that is very far off and they're only really starting to explore the fundamental technologies that may one day in the far future go into a glove product that is available for so, 100 or 200 dollars so i would i mark my words i want to i want this clip on youtube if this comes to pass striver the sports training company i would not be surprised to see meta buy them and then I also wouldn't be surprised to see them get very serious about uh, something sports apparel related, some kind of sports apparel company partnership, whatever. Because the Ray-Ban offering, the, the Ray-Ban partnership allows them to try out fitting, get a lot of data from Ray-Ban about fitting and prescription and the whole buying flow for buying glasses. But when we talk about gloves and everything he just said about custom fitting, all of that is exactly what you get out of professional sports attire. Exactly. I, I think that might happen, Ian. So, Heaney, to touch on something that you talked about, the idea of this being a moonshot, and the fact that technology like this requires years of dedicated work, developers creating new stuff, inventing new things to make this something that is doable, usable, viable. It takes years. It almost feels like something that they would have had to start years ago, back in like 2015, 2016, to start to get <laughs> to a point where we're Ian already is laughing because he knows where I'm going. I know this. where you're going. Go ahead and lead us All on right. that journey, Kyle. So, Go ahead. Let's let's go to this journey here. Now, I am going to, first of all, show a video. I'm going to do it this way because I think that it's fun to do it this way. So bear with me here. This video was taken in 
2017, I believe it was. Yes, 2017. And this is me trying haptic glove. Now, this looks like it could be the meta glove. It's got... Because it's a glove? It's got... Well, no, because it's got resistance to the fingers. It's got microfluid haptic microfluidic and let's take a look and see what type of experience that i'm having here this looks eerily similar to some of the experiences that people are using in the meta glove video and there is a box that is controlling all of the fluidics and look at that you can't hear this video but i am going ooh omg holy expletives and i'm grabbing clouds yeah, it's way over the top to be honest kyle's just like having a mind-blowing experience he's like it on really is at an acid trip with this video it, it is it is amazing how awesome this technology is and so while this is playing behind me, I'm going to go ahead and read the next news title. Haptex Meta Glove Tech substantially identical to the patents for speed fat forced feedback gloves. Can't talk today. Force feedback gloves pioneer Haptex says that microfluidic technologies Meta showed off last week appears to be substan- substantively identical. Sub- substantively identical to its patents. Now, uh, here's the deal, folks. I have had a lot of experience with haptics gloves. And when I saw the Meta gloves, I went, ooh, this is going to be juicy. Because I remember in, uh, was it 2015, 2016, I was at a Seattle VR, uh, I think it was called CVR, or I think it turned into like the Immerse Technical Summit. Anyway, it was downtown Seattle. I think it was actually in Bellevue. And uh, a gentleman walks up to me who I've known from the VR community. He says, hey, I have something I want to show you. He brings me up into a room and he says, put your hand in this box. And I'm like, what am I, Paul Atreides? No, I'm not doing this. He's like, no, seriously, here, put your hand in this box. So I did, and I felt a spider crawl across my hand. And it just blew my mind. And fast forward a year or two later, and I'm having a glove put on my hand. And it was amazing. And I really dug it. And fast forward even further, and I know Ian has uh, an experience as well that he can share. This is not meta, folks. This is haptics. And whether you want to call it haptics or haptics, we had this technology shown to us multiple times. This is yes. great. I love this. Yeah, this was my demo of them. Was it uh, 2019? I'm here, I think, with the CEO. And right before my demo, and they gave me two demos, they hooked me up to a robot, basically, and my hands were doing one-to-one, more or less, what the robot was doing. 
with just a little bit of latency or a significant amount of latency, to be honest, between what my hands were doing and what the robots were doing. But they'll show the close-up here. Look at this. Keep this in mind. And what you're seeing here is what's on the inside surface of these gloves. And they're pushing, Is I think it's air through, right? And these little actuators. And these little bubbles essentially become equivalent to pixels, more or less. You turn right. them on, you turn them yes. off. And maybe do them at different uh, strengths and you can provide a haptic sensation that way. And and that's more or less the, the route these companies or the, both of these efforts are taking to provide you a believable haptic experience. The question is, of course, why is Meta publishing its research about its approach to this technology and how unique is what haptics did compared to just an open idea out there that many different organizations are pursuing all at once? Well, I think as with all meta research showcases, I've always said this, I think the target audience when meta, formerly Facebook, shows off its research is other researchers. It wants to attract world-class talent, engineers, physicists, chemists, people from all kinds of multidisciplinary fields to come in and build these products and really actually push forward the technology to the place they want it to be because that really is how these technology companies advance forward beyond others it's not coming up with some great idea it's getting the talent in to make that idea real and there only is a certain number of world-class people in these fields so they're trying to put out this tech show look at the groundbreaking, bleeding edge stuff we're doing here, why don't you come over here and work with us and help us make it a product? But I think when it comes to haptics, the really interesting claim that they've made is that Meta, he says, over the years, we've hosted many engineers, researchers, and executives from Meta to demonstrate our groundbreaking haptic technology. If that claim is true, if they really have had executives, researchers, and engineers from Meta. And then just a few years later, Meta posts this technology that is very similar. It's using microfluidic, very small pockets of air to create this sensation. That's not looking good for Meta if it really is infringing on Haptex's patent portfolio. So I I I pointed out that image in my video showing you the little pads that they actually showed their little fabric type actuators bubbles thing and then here's this image provided by meta right as well this is their unit yeah and you can obviously see just on its surface how similar these concepts look in terms of actually giving you little bubbles but i thought it was interesting if you go back and look at the blog post and tech announcement that meta made when they showed off their glove some of those quotes from those researchers are there's only one or two ways to do this. One, The other way to do this creates too much heat. So we've got to try to do it this way. And if you're going to do it this way, the only path to do it is to super hyper-miniaturize it. And Facebook is demonstrating, or Meta is demonstrating here, that 
if they so choose this path, they could throw billions of dollars at when a company like Haptics, do they have that much investment to come out with a, a competing prop, product? I'd be really curious if people reached out to Haptics to invest or if this spooked hap, if this spooked investors. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to think. Can Haptics actually get that investment to build out their technology? But what I find most interesting about Meta's post is that, as usual, they're not talking about how do we build this. They're talking about how do we make this affordable and mass producible. And that's something we haven't yet heard from Haptics, though it could be something that's in their long-term plans once they you build a five-digit priced product to give to enterprise, then you try to build a slightly cheaper one for businesses, and then you hit enthusiasts. That's generally the path that these companies take. But the question is, does Haptex have a a reasonable real path to a low-cost product that costs literally 100 times less than what they're currently shipping? And does Meta? Yeah, Kyle, I think you've you've probably got some thoughts here. I just want to reply to Stevens here as saying that this is boring. I think I, I like that sentiment a little bit because no one courtroom drama or inter fights between companies on who invented what is boring compared to what do these products do for me and how do they change the actual computing landscape and i'm just the fact that meta and haptics are both saying this is really interesting technology suggest to me that some version of this tech is the tech that we're going to see actually delivering us gloves. So call this boring, but what I see here is 5, 10, 15 years from now, something like this actually being in real gloves that we use every day. Yeah, the other comment I'd like to reply to here is Stuart Burns. You're saying you'd like to see a more focus on, on it better native PC VR games before all of these kind of hardware products. So just to be clear, on Monday, this is our show where we talk about hardware and industry trends. You should definitely join our Thursday show, VR Gamescast, where Jamie and Zeno talk about the newest games and uh, the games in the future and everything about games such as game design in the VR space. So definitely join that VR Gamescast on Thursday if that's what you're most interested in. But today, this is where we talk about hardware and industry trends. So to me... The, the real news piece here is that I saw something very similar to that. I sat down at a table with Jake from State, no, Jake from Haptex, and he showed me his little gizmo that he made of all the little microfluidic pixels. And I went, holy cow, imagine like a whole suit of these. Imagine what you could do with this, that, or the other. And he showed me all the potential that they had already come up with and how it was going to work. And so for me to see Meta show something like this in the aspect and in the method with which they presented it, that it, it felt very, I don't know, when you think about what Apple and, and, and Microsoft and Xerox back in the day and going and seeing the mouse and the GUI, the GUI and all that, and then it's like, oh, we'll just steal it and make it. I, I, that we saw, everybody saw Pirates of Silicon Valley and the, the dramatization of that experience and how they all felt. And it, it, I wonder how Haptex feels about all of this more than just 
that 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 statement that they made after so, Meta well, showed this. Yeah. How, how do they feel? I would love to get them into the studio and say, how do you feel knowing that you've put five plus years of your life into creating this? And then you see this video, you see this, this announcement. Okay. So I've got very complicated thoughts here. I love the question that you're bringing up. And I wonder if Guy Godin is in our comments this week, the creator of virtual desktop, since that developer has such an intimate relationship to Facebook's rules and it's competitive kind of like rulemaking with virtual desktop, obviously being restricted from being able to offer that PC VR streaming feature until Facebook had it readied the following week. And like asking about Guy Godin's feelings is a tricky question because he's made a lot of money off of selling virtual desktop on Facebook's platform, anyone out there commenting or watching this space is going to call that out if he says anything less than thank you to Facebook for giving him that platform. I'm not saying I'm not justifying the criticism. I'm not saying he would be out of line for making that comment of if he points out, if he ever pointed out that Facebook uh, is known for seeing what somebody else is doing and saying, hey, that's a good idea. We should do that too. It's just, this is the stage of this company, Haptics, is a completely different stage than the one that I just discussed, than Guy and, and having this, I don't know, frenemy relationship that virtual desktop would have with Facebook. This is a straight-up competitor And I would not be surprised to hear all of these other things that we always hear about the typical meta or Facebook rulebook of recruiters coming for the engineers at Haptics before. Maybe there were offers. We don't know. Maybe there were offers to buy out the tech. But there's there's like a playbook of things that meta does in these sorts of situations when they're coming for a technology. And it's just... That's my takeaway here is there's there's a lot of smoke here that and where there's smoke, there's fire that this is very likely a very interesting tech. And yes, I care what haptics feels, but like at the end of the day, can they go out and get the investment to actually prove that, you know, prove their product in comparison to Facebook? Let's not see this in a courtroom. Let's see this actually on people's hands competing for the best product. So let me present it like this. <clears throat> Let's say you are a an Olympic runner and you have you are the best of the class in your respective country and you were going to go to the Olympics in a, in a in a running competition, a race and you are going to do your country proud, but you're up against Usain Bolt. You're not going to win. You're literally striving to get that silver, to get second place. That's all you're doing. You're not having the same race as Usain Bolt. He's going to win. You're just trying to be second. And I feel like Guy knew that. That Guy knew he was never going to be the only company, the only person offering those features, that he wasn't going to win that. But he wanted to be second place. And that's a respectable place to be. But I think the story with haptics is completely different. 
Because here's a person, here's a company, here's a group of people who have done a lot to see the vision, create the technology, research this, find out what works, find out what doesn't, create a viable product, have clients because they have clients. They have clients that they have sold to their dev kits. And this is a functioning company with functioning clients. And then another company comes in and says, I'm going to skip ahead to, you know, chapter eight and start there. That has to be frustrating. I think the, I was going to say it's a very good point you have, Kyle, that it's actually, it's, it's not we really should have said this haptex is not just a startup they as you say not just have clients they're being used by militaries for training yeah. and large corporations yeah. including nissan and they're also being used by a large american company to train surgeons to train for certain types of complex surgeries so this is a product that is out there being used today whereas what meta is presenting is a moonshot lab research project so we do have to keep that in mind in, in comparing right. these two things I like the the moonshot lab project being an interesting framing of this whole thing and and comparing that to what Heaney was saying. And where I was going with that is I, I wonder about getting lawyers into the studio eventually. I've already had a couple like conversations with policy people and lawyers, but we need to really understand what is anti-competitive in this landscape. What will lawmakers and the United States federal government see as anti-competitive behavior on Meta's side. And when I look at what this is, like presenting this as a moonshot is one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is validating what Haptex is doing and inviting investors to go and double down on that idea. But where I start wondering is, yeah, again, like, does announcing this product deny Haptics the ability to go out and get an investment? Does, do all the investors get so scared of what Facebook is doing that, wait, Facebook is doing the same thing. Why would we invest another half a billion dollars? And that it does potentially become anti-competitive. If it kills this product before another billion dollars gets invested in it, maybe the argument could be made that it's anti-competitive. But at the same time, you could make the argument on the other side that Meta is actually challenging haptics to invest further and take this idea for the next five years. I, I can't imagine that a smart, intelligent investor would not see that haptics has done all the homework. They read the whole book. And Meta appears to have read the Cliff's notes and is jumping in thinking that they're the expert, just the same as Haptex is. My money would still be on Haptex if I was an mm, investor. I no. don't know. Well, yeah, if no, that's I think what we're what Heaney Heaney pulled out some of this language here from this. You've got to spend multi-million dollars in each experiment. Imagine every prototype hand glove that you want to build for haptics costing tens of millions of dollars in machinery and tooling to put the device, put together all of the things on your hand that they're testing out for the very first time. And haptics doesn't have that kind of investment to go and test out millions of dollars in tooling. 
And that's just a, a small amount of money to Facebook. They've raised that. millions of dollars of funding from investors already. Haptic oh, sense. sure. But I'm talking 10 to $20 million just to go build a new prototype and test it. Is that, Haney, am I off, off on my estimates here on how much it would cost to build a next generation of one of these? I, I do think it's important to note that Haptics actually did ship a next generation. The, the DK1 glove that they were shipping earlier this year mm-hmm. was replaced by DK2. As you say, Kyle, they've had $30 million of investment, which is not insignificant if they're spending it right, if they are a small team that isn't being wasteful and are being agile and nimble. And yeah, it really comes back to that fact that if you're an investor, you're seeing, as we said from Meta, something where they're talking about a 10 to 15-year time scale, and they're setting a very lofty goal of only wanting to build this product that is suitable to ship out to mass consumers. Whereas Haptex is saying, you know, right now we're, we're in this market for enterprise, for militaries, for professional organizations, where the cost to them is really insignificant. $10,000 or $20,000 for a glove that lets you do these things for a military or for surgical training, that's nothing. That's to them, that's pocket change. So they can, over this next 15 years with investment, build out this huge simulation and training market without really having to worry about, can we get to the consumer step? And yeah, they have that kind of looming long-term horizon that Meta's eventually going to compete. But for now, I don't think they need to worry about Meta's project leaving the research lab personally. Mm. Heaney, you're you're making me think of a very good point. Meta may have helped Haptics get more funding by doing this and just follow me down this weird rabbit hole. It's possible that meta is legitimizing this research and this technology meta may have given haptics legitimacy for the investors. Cause meta doesn't plan on bringing this out for 10 years. Well, haptics I, yeah. is already I think we're all in saying the same thing. This is pretty much yeah. what I was saying earlier. Yeah. It's we're all alluding to the same thing that it, I really, it's really hard to view this as anti, based on the information we have now, it's hard to tell if it's anti-competitive what's happened here or it's legitimizing what Haptics is doing. The fact that Haptics made that statement and then we pushed, we, so we ran this story about Meta debuting its technology. Then we got this email from Haptics basically saying what we've already talked about, the statement, and they wanted mention of haptics in this story about meta's technology and i more or less just replied to haptics's email with two questions one was to be clear what are you accusing meta of something to that effect and then the second question is which patents are you citing specifically that you think are being infringed here or yet that you are accusing of being identical in your statement. And I have not gotten a reply to that email. They're not making further comment at this time. And so what that either that means the lawyers have been brought in uh, and they're actually having communication right now with Meta. And I don't know how that goes when you're going and talking to a company of that magnitude. I would imagine Meta very frequently just stonewalls lots of organizations I, um, uh, i'm sorry but I, I somebody in meta needs to address this publicly somebody needs to say 
we yes we read the news too and we see that this is being said about the similarities between this technology and here is our statement on that and i want to see who's brave enough to make a statement from meta about the similarities in this technology where is yeah, the andrew Bal- if andrew bosworth does another ama it'll it'll be in his AMA inbox for sure, at least from yeah. us, if not from other people. But it, yeah. it is something that I would like to see talked about. Like, how do you view their comments? And yeah, I think given that Haptex has brought up a legal argument, they've talked about their patent portfolio. I think there's zero chance you'll get anything out of balls. I don't think anyone at Facebook will talk anything about an issue where a company is alleging potential future infringement. Because we should be clear that Haptex isn't saying. It's not in any way infringing a patent to do research. Haptex is specifically saying that if this is something they're developing into a product, then that's where the patent issues would come in. But even that accusation means that we won't hear any Facebook executive talk about this other than through lawyers, in my view. So the gray area of this just being research, it's not a viable product. There really is no problem here other than the fact that Haptex wasn't getting the amount of play that meta was by showing literally the a very similar item using very similar technology i i can understand the frustration from haptics team to see this and go oh look at all these news people following this and covering this where's my coverage for the product that is apparently already more viable than this moonshot just to be clear, we did cover Haptics DK1 and DK2, and we've also covered a lot of their most interesting applications like that surgical one I mentioned. We, we do make sure to cover them because their technology is and, excellent. And, and to be fair, in we're in the middle of COVID. So hands-on physical demos have been in very short supply. So our ability Challenge. to go out there and see what any of these organizations, including Haptics, have done lately has been very limited. We we had a couple of situations where we'd like to see Haptics' latest, and we're all still in quarantine. But that's going to change next year. Yeah, yeah. Very soon. Very soon. I want to show up one video before we move on uh, from this. So I'm going to... This might be the wrong one. Yeah, let me show up. I want to show up the video of the thumb war. And Kyle, I want to do a thumb war in front of the TV maybe with you to talk about this little bit from Meta's uh, thing. Heaney, are you able to find the video and put it up there again of Meta's? There it is. I got it. All right. So Kyle, come on over here for a sec. Let's see. You're going to have to come over a little bit to me. Watch them do this thumb war at the end of this. And then one, two, three, four, and you'll see this moment where the person, the researcher on the left, wins the thumb war by pinning the other finger. So, Kyle, put your finger down here. So she pins his finger, and he pulls his finger up and then puts his finger back down, almost like he got a little sensation letting him know, oh, you can't actually would. do that. You're being pinned. But I, there's no, it's, it's impossible to. <laughs> Well, that was a lot of fun, Ian. Thank you. <laughs> but but I wanted yeah. to do this demonstration. Like, if we do thumb war, one, two, three, four, how do we know who wins? And well, I, I don't do. know how these gloves actually tell you who wins, is what I'm saying. 
feel like having your thumb being stuck to your hand and not being able to push it back up would indicate <laughs> the win. Yeah. I don't know. I just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, with all these gloves, you have a, uh, you know, a certain amount of force that they can put on each finger. Usually the companies that exist, like Haptex and Sense Glove, actually do tell you exactly how many Newtons per finger. So if you could, I think most people could push past it if you really wanted to, but in some of the better products, you would have to really struggle to push past it. Just like if anyone's used the, the PlayStation 5 haptic triggers. I don't By know. the way, Kyle, yeah, you, I, I, you're, you're, you're you being were. all sarcastic here, but I think your mind is going to be pretty blown the first time you feel the wrist thing that we've been talking about, where they are talking about giving you sensations at your wrist to indicate things happening at your fingertips. That's where I'm going with that. I think there's some magic happening here under the scenes, software-wise. Yeah. To as soon as you like do these haptic gloves in a co-located way, where we can do a high five or anything like, if we could do a high five in midair, and I just feel a slight vibration when we do that, it's going to be miles different here, from here, what we have let's, today. Let, let, let's let's do a high five. Oh no, that's uh, terrible. I actually my wall uh, is right here. So if we uh, place it just right, it'll look great. Kyle, this uh, is my wall. All right. Okay. All right. All right. One, two, three. Oh, that was not weird. quite. One, two, three. No. That sucks. Yeah. I, I felt a little tingle, Ian. I did I felt a little tingle there. Thank you. Oh, okay. Do we want to dig into this? Last piece of news, or do yeah, we want to? I think it's time to hit the last piece of news. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's do it here. This could be fun. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. Enreal brings the first AR glasses to America via Verizon. So, Enreal Light is the first AR glasses product available in the USA, launching in less than two weeks via Verizon. Now, I am not a current Verizon customer but this headset might make me want to at least go and check out their store and see what they have available i am an iphone user and i know that we have lots to say about that so who wants to dig in first on this piece of news about enreal light yeah, so the significance here, as you said, is this is the first AR glasses product available in the United States. There have been AR goggles, you could argue, like Magic Leap 1. There are AR headsets like HoloLens and HoloLens 2. But in terms of an augmented reality product in glasses form factor, Enreal is the first. And it will be available in stores, in Verizon stores on Tuesday. and Sorry, next Tuesday, to be clear, not tomorrow. And it will be available online from Verizon next Thursday. The product did exist before in Germany, Spain, Japan, and South Korea. Uh, we haven't really heard much about how well it's done there. It will cost $600, but the kicker is you need to have a specific few models of Verizon phone to use this properly. You can, Enreal tell us that you can technically plug any phone, even an iPhone in, and you'll just see a mirrored version of your screen right in front of you without positional tracking. But if you want the full features, which is positional tracking, the ability to pin your apps into physical space, the ability to use the augmented reality apps that are on it, you need a Galaxy S20, S21, 
Z Fold 3 or a OnePlus 8. And the cheapest of those starts at $800. So if you don't have any of those phones right now from Horizon, from Verizon, this is a $1,400 product. But if you happen to have those phones already, it's only $600. As to what experience you're looking for here, this AR is still very early. You're only going to see these holograms in a very small portion of the view in front of you. So you'll have to be looking directly at them. This does have positional tracking. It does have hand tracking without controllers, although only very few apps support that so far. But the main missing thing compared to Magic Leap 1 and HoloLens 2 is occlusion. So if a hologram should be behind your couch, you'll actually see it rendered in front of your couch. And if you walk to another room where there's a wall between you and, and the virtual object, the hologram, whatever you want to call it, you'll still see that rendered in front. So that that's the main missing thing here. But to be clear, and, there's no interesting content on this yet. It's still mainly AR demos. But I guess now that we have the hardware, the software is really the next step that Unreal and AR developers need to fill in there. So Agent M83 asks a question that I was going to bring up. So thank you. I appreciate it. He says, or she or whoever, uh, says, I've got the suggested phone, but am not Verizon. Can I use this? And I would say... I would assume that it's not carrier dependent, but do we know for sure, Heaney? So interacting with Unreal is always interesting because their language is very, let's say, vague and difficult to pin down. They have suggested that, yes, you do. On Android phones, the firmware that is given out is actually different in the United States based on your carrier. There's actually carrier-specific firmware, and there may be some features on the carrier device that are present that aren't going to be present in other firmwares. So that is something we still need to get a solid answer from. And, and trust me, I have tried to get a solid answer of it, but we'll find out soon is really the answer to that next week. The but, other yeah. question, and just because I know you all love to hear me say it, as a bespectacled individual, what is the solution for me? Now, I already know this because i've tried nreal devices in the past at expos and conventions and they've shown me that they've got this like gamut of insertable lenses now i don't know about the nreal light though do they have these inserts for people who need prescription glasses yes they do and what you tried was in real life and only has two products so far there's this nreal light that we're talking about today the ar glasses and then in some Asian markets, they have Enreal Air, which are non-AR. They don't have positional tracking or any cameras of any sort. They're just that first use case I've talked about where you just see your phone screen floating in front of you. And you can look around in Thrudolf, but if you move forward, it's still locked to your head. So yeah, there is a, an insert that you can use to, to support glasses. There's four different nose adapters that come with it, so you can adjust for comfort. The, the, this does seem to be a usable product for anyone who wants to use it. it it's not something at this point like early VR but, where you so, had to have a specific eye shape. Sorry, so I, I think it's interesting. Heaney and I uh, go back and forth a lot on the terminology here so that we don't do it in front of our audience and on Twitter. We debate a lot of this stuff internally and go back and forth. So I was actually surprised to see Heaney call this the first AR product in the West back when he was writing it because of the missing occlusion uh, bit. 
occlusion is a non-starter for me. Without occlusion, it's not IR. It's not Mm. convincing. It's not entertaining. I don't like it at all. I will just not use it unless occlusion is supported. So hearing him draw the line on the other side of that, I thought was interesting. It's like discussing whether the Oculus Go and Samsung Gear VR were technically VR. Would you say these are advanced AR glasses? No. If you're in a if you're in a big room where you don't have furniture in the way, you're getting an AR experience. You can see the holograms are locked to your floor. You can go and crouch down and look at them in front of you, and they do seem like virtual objects in front of you. And and just to be clear, we actually do have the unit on hand, and we aim to have a review out next week when these become available. So, you know, I've tried this. You can ask me any questions. On, on the general product here, but if you want to ask specific questions about the experience and what I think of it, definitely make sure to tune in next week because we will be doing a full Q&A impression on this show next week. That's exciting. I have so many questions about this technology and whether or not it's worth it. it there are lots of use cases, and I understand the whole, is it AR? And I've seen some people make comments recently. I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody made the differentiation between AR and MR by saying that AR is viewed by a screen in your hand out here, like a phone. That, that's AR. But MR, mixed reality, is when you have it on your, on your no, face, I'm dead. on your I'm head. Dad, you killed me. Let's go. Let's move yeah, on. That's... I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you, I don't, you don't know. No. Uh, okay. That is certainly well, a strange definition. Yeah. I, I think, look, practically, if we're talking what the practical definitions are today, terminology and technicality aside ar is when you do it through transparent glasses and mr is when it's done through an (laughs) opt but then then the only reason i brought it up was not to have the argument of terminology it's just that i when i wrote about the (laughs) ray-ban smart glasses heaney i wanted to make this analogy that the ray-ban smart glasses were like the gear vr of ar and heaney went and edited it and changed it to the gear vr of smart glasses and it was a Fair change to make, but here we are a few weeks later, and he's calling Enreal's occlusion missing glasses the first AR glasses. And I don't know, somewhere in there, there's just a good analogy for where we are in AR compared to the days but, of Gear But VR. Ian, Ian, you're making the point that you have to have occlusion in order for it to be AR, and I don't know if I no, necessarily. No, agree I'm not even with saying that. it's AR. Like the, the argument I made there is Gear VR was absent so many features. That it, I would argue it's barely even a VR headset. It might not even be a VR headset. You can't, you, you literally have a plastic chunk in your hands if you take the phone away from the device. Like you have this useless piece of plastic. Then when you put a phone in it, it drains the battery power and you can't lean around, otherwise, you get sick. Yet it's called the Gear VR. It's a VR headset. So is cardboard. Cardboard is a VR headset. But it's terrible, and it's like it's missing so many features that are absolutely fundamental to the experience that they're going to be an ancient memory that, like, ten years from now, yeah, people I, won't I even think remember we're have those to, things existed. I can say you can say it's a bad VR headset. You can say it's a VR headset that's lacking a lot of features, but it is a headset that is putting you into a virtual reality. It is a virtual reality headset, and. I think these are AR glasses because they are augmenting reality with physical objects that you can walk around the room and see stay in place. You can use this to pin Netflix to your wall. And when you walk back into the room, Netflix is still there on your wall. When you walk from one couch to the other, 
that virtual television that you've just created that's playing Netflix is in the same position. You have positional tracking and three-dimensional movement is. Do you know what we need to do, Ian? Upload VR is going to sponsor a council of elders to come together. No Marks or Tims allowed. A council of elders where we flesh out all of these this terminology of who and what and how we talk about these things and create a standard across the board for everybody to agree on. But that'll never happen because we're all never going to agree on anything. So it'll just be a bunch of people flexing. We need bicep tracking. I went to one of those IEEE meetings about like privacy and let's come up with a privacy standard at IEEE on like how to make sure that these, and I just, I went to one meeting and I'm like, I can't do this again. I can't do another meeting of like philosophically let's argue about where, how the platform should think about privacy. It's mind numbing. It's literally going to be boiling down to a couple of these companies agreeing that like their call system is interoperable, their avatar their avatars are interoperable, and we don't need to have yeah, I don't know I, it's just so much wasted time in those things. Uh, Ian, uh, we won't invite you then to, as Michael calls it here in the chat, semantics con. We will not invite you. I will moderate. To keep it civil and uh, flowing forward. Speaking of flowing forward, do we want to say anything more about Unreal or just stay tuned for next week's exciting review of this? Well, yeah, I think we should actually talk a little bit about it and what it means in the market in a sense. My, my impression so far, and even if you haven't had the hardware in hand, this is the impression you should probably get if you look at the content, is this is an expensive toy. It, is, it meets that technical barrier that it is the first AR glasses, but just like some of the first products you would find in the 90s and 80s, you know, the first ever laptops, the first ever PDAs, the first ever mobile phones. There's a point at which back then there were very few people to call through them. They were, they, they were impractical due to the technical realities of the products. There will always be people who want to be the early adopters of these things and get them. And if you are someone who has said until now, I would like to purchase AR glasses and I cannot purchase AR glasses of any sort, but I want to, then now you can. That's all that's really changed here. But what's really Mm -hmm. changed from a significant market perspective is that developers now can purchase a product that they can really build on. Because as you said, Kyle, AR until now has been this thing through a phone screen, but you can't really build the kind of AR apps that people will want to use in future glasses and headsets through a phone because it's simply not the same interaction method it's not the way you would look around through glasses or a phone and you can't really use the same input method because you're already looking through the phone so that's what i think will be the most significant here we'll see developers start to actually build out ar content because they now have a piece of hardware to build it on so i i like that thinking Heaney, it's just that i think it's too limited a platform to be interesting to developers in its current iteration you, you need occlusion i think to have any even beginning to, to start be interesting and not just occlusion but like there was that video of oppie i think the little pet that facebook has shown off uh in its future like ar ambitions and the wall disappears 
and you've got black and white on this side of the wall and then color in Oppie's world, which is where the wall begins. And it just, the wall falls away and there's this entire land of virtual landscape. That's so much better than anything that is going to come out of these glasses, right? Yeah, the glasses can't do fully opaque. The further away you get from pure white, you can do a pure white color fully opaque, but anything that is pure black is completely transparent. So as you go along that color spectrum, AR glasses can no longer do opacity. So you're right, you can't have an experience where you look through the wall because you could still see the wall behind the holograms. They need to exist within the space, but why couldn't it be both? Why can't you have the kind of content that you're talking about on mixed reality headsets, but then also other kind of games that Enreal showed on AR glasses? Because one of the features this does have is plane detection. You can detect a table in front of you and they can put an entire board game. I've tried some of these demos so far where you basically have an entire board game on the table in front of you. And that's the kind of content developers can, I think, start to build even without occlusion, as well as content for a wide open room where you have, you're chasing a, a, some sort of creature around, you're trying to do a tar defense game on your floor. Developers have already started to explore this. So I, I, I think now that they have a piece of hardware, we'll start to see even more come from that. It's funny to hear that Enreal has that because I could see Enreal having a fantasy island uh, style thing where it goes deplane, deplane, because it's got plane detection. Okay. Anyway, no, the point I was going to make is that Enreal. Was that a being that in a the market? Like a 1970s TV show? They did a remake. They they did a remake. So it's there might be somebody who recognizes that. It's Ricardo Montalban. Who doesn't know about Fantasy Island? Anyway, Enreal may actually be appealing to developers for all the reasons you said it wouldn't be. The fact that there is not enough content yet, you go, eh, people don't want to buy these headsets. But I say that Heaney, it is an expensive toy. And expensive toys need expensive apps look what happened with the app stores people had the expense look at me flexing with my cool expensive toy this might attract developers to actually jump on and say i want to be the one that makes the the killer app for enreal so it might actually work conversely to to what you were saying Look at how enthusiastic developers are about those Snapchat spectacles with AR capabilities. That's something with a 30-minute battery life that has half of the field of view of Enreal. And we've seen developers not only excited, but start to build this content that people didn't even think about before. Because there's when, there, when you don't have a technology like this in hand, you can speculate about all the use cases and potential killer apps. But when you actually get developers to sit down with it in front of them and really try it out, in a real context and actually iterate on their ideas and see what works, that's when you start to see the magic happen for content. And there simply is no device out there that is affordable or feasible for developers to do that. Alex, I am not a boomer, but I was raised by them. So I understand their culture. And and I too was raised by boomers and their culture is very dear to my heart, but Kyle, come on. Yeah. We're calling you out here. We've been calling you out on this for a while. you got to admit, it's a little bit closer for you than it is for me. I guess it is. This whole conversation is making my back hurt. Thanks, guys. (sighs) Yeah. All right. So I, I for one, am excited the fact that the Enreal Light 
head, uh, glasses, headsets. It's not really a headset, is it? At what point do we stop calling them headsets and start calling them glasses? That's just goggles and glasses. I'm ready to go. Okay. Glasses for indoor use or goggles for indoor use, glasses for outdoor use. Yeah, I think these are de- these are definitely glasses. You, you put them on, they're about 100 grams. They feel like a very thick pair of sunglasses and they're shaped like glasses. They don't occlude more of your face than typical glasses would. So I think Enreal is just at the point of where you call them glasses. And a comparison that's interesting is this thing is a third of the weight of Magic Leap 1, a third of the weight. So that, that's really significant in terms of the kind of form factor that yeah, I'll be curious to see how many people see it. They go to the Verizon store. They're like, hey, I want all the hot new tech. Give me the smartwatches and the this and the that. And while we're at it, what are those over there? What are the specs on those? Yeah, <laughs> I can see people buying them just for fun. Just for. Yeah, it's a novelty. It's a toy. It's a brand new technology. Yeah. And plenty of times in the past, people have bought impractical and mostly useless new technologies to experiment with them. Mm-hmm. And again, you're again, that's why uh, going back to the beginning of this little discussion, like why the little like terminology, is this the gear VR equivalent of AR or is the gear VR equivalent of like smart classes is significant. And I don't know, just well, not to harp too much on the term- terminology thing, but do you think we'll have a smart glasses product line out of meta and these other companies where it's, I keep thinking about the Bose AR system that like it's using your GPS from your phone combined with audio to provide you audio AR, I think they called it. But I'm convinced that there's a really good version of that where the glasses could take know which way you're facing, send that off to the servers and give you really low latency advice about what you're looking at, where you need to go next. And I'm wondering if we'll have those types of glasses providing a really robust turn-by-turn directions before we have display systems and whether those will start to get the AR name. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how much useful information can you provide without a display or with a very simple display. I I guess the problem is there's a lot of contexts where audio isn't going to be appropriate or isn't even going to be loud enough in certain outdoor scenarios. That'll be very interesting to see whether we do see smart glasses products before AR. I think it's likely, given what we've seen from Ray-Ban, I can't see that there's going to be some sort of separate AR glasses line rather than a slow, gradual progression to them. Ian, I I just keep thinking about your whole, is this Unreal product the Gear VR for AR? And I, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that the Gear VR headset, if it didn't need a specific phone, if you could use any phone you want and it had viable pass-through, would that product still be around causing a nuisance in the market? Probably not. I think the fact that it drained your phone's power put it in conflict with everything you want to do on the device. So just fundamentally, like I need a phone that gets me through my day and gets me to work or navigates me like as a handheld object, not a device that when I put it into face mode, it actually, when I pull it off, I've only got 10% battery life. Like Mm. I don't, 
I think that's just the wrong mode to make VR work with. And if these glasses drain your battery power in the same way, I think it's the same dead end. Yeah, I, it's interesting analogy to make to Gear VR, given that it do, that Unreal does require these high end Samsung phones or a OnePlus. And as you say, the, the real issue with Gear VR is that it, it not only drains your phone battery but takes it away from you. So if you get a notification or call, you have to completely undock it. Now, it's interesting to point out just for anyone that's not aware, these Unreal glasses are wired to your phone. It's not a wired connection, and these things don't have a battery in them. So they are still draining your phone battery in the same way that Gear VR is. But the separate part is it's not taking your phone away from you. At any time, you can just attach that cable and you have your phone with you again. So I wonder how how successful that can be. For me, the reason it's not the Gear VR, though, is because it is that content side. Gear VR launched, obviously, as a Samsung hardware product, but it had the Facebook-backed content. And you had Oculus building these first-party apps and paying developers to build games. We haven't seen that from Unreal. The vast majority of content for Unreal Lite right now is simple demos. It's more like the Oculus developer kit days back in 2013, 2014, rather than actually a product like Gear VR really was. If they can, if they can somehow, Unreal can come out and say, hey, look, you can play Roblox on this. Hey, who knows? Maybe that's the one thing that it needs to be able to do. Can you do Roblox on your phone? I don't know. Hey, kids. Uh, they're probably in school. I, yeah, who knows? Yes, uh, you can do Roblox on your phone, and it's, yeah, it's huge. So many hmm. people. That could be the angle right there. Roblox on Unreal. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. I'm excited. I'm actually going to have to go. I, I'm not going to buy a set, though, because I, I don't have the right phone. And that's if you should comment you? here at the end re- that that he's reading in the end uh nreal's documentation has the basics for a minimum viable ar platform yeah i would also i think it'd be interesting to check out niantic's ar documentation and compare them given that these are two very out there early platform spectacles obviously is out there too but i really loved niantic's vision recently that they showed off for like useful use cases for ar going forward i don't I, I, it's hard for me to see Enreal becoming crossing over to real usefulness beyond just hanging a Netflix window. Yeah, but at the same time, it, Niantic is still so focused on that smartphone experience. And I think you, in the same way that developing for a PC or a console is just completely different to developing from VR, and we find that out over the past 10 years, I think developing for glasses is completely different than developing for a little smartphone in your hand. And I, I think that's something that Niantic and those other companies are going to learn as they make the transition from smartphones to glasses. So let me propose this question to everyone. A year from now, will the AR experience on the Enreal glasses be superior or inferior to the AR experience on the MetaQuest 2? Inferior. That's the easiest answer I've ever had to give. Yeah, inferior, simply because it's black and white and low resolution. Okay. Oh, sorry. Wait. Oh, no, they're no, de- I'm oh, saying glasses oh. are gonna be better, man. Yeah. No. Oh. No. Do you? Can you seriously see yourself using that black and white low resolution pass through for more than five minutes? It's not going to be black and white most of the time. It's mostly going to be color from the augmentations. Said, oh, but it's not really. It's just a posturization. It's still even in the. <laughs> have you tried any of the apps that use the colorization? It's still a very no, no, low no, no, resolution. I'm saying, I'm, saying <laughs> I'm going to have uh, virtual content floating in my room, and that's going to be 
90% of what I see. I'm not going to see my environment that much. I'm going to see the virtual content most of the time. It depends see, on this that. is you what know, I do, guys. This is terrible. <laughs> oh, man. oh, don't, don't like, be no. proud of yourself, Kyle. Now, wait a go, minute. Go. No. Are we going to have the conversation or the meta conversation? I, I, if, I think that this conversation could be a whole episode in and of itself, to be honest. It's, I'm not really um, sure. A very interesting topic uh, we should discuss. Why not? It's, it's going to be one of the biggest topics of the next year. If you play something like Cubism in Quest 2 with the pass-through mode, you know, obviously you've got those cubes and those puzzles in front of you, but everything around you is still that grainy, low-resolution black and white. And compared to putting... Yeah, you've only got the little square of the desk. And I'm saying somewhere in between what you just described and the little desk is a solution that gives me just a little bit of the real world, and it's the, the littlest bit that I need to not walk into crap. It's in, yeah, I think it's a very different use case than these glasses. It's almost the opposite, where with the glasses, you have the majority of the real world and a little slice of virtual. On a headset like MetaQuest 2, you've got the majority real world and little, sorry, majority virtual world and little slice of the real. So I think they're very different. That's but that's a better if, experience. I win. Thank you. But, but if you were to compare playing Cubism on MetaQuest 2 in AR mode compared to playing if Cubism was ported to Unreal, would you really take it over? Would you really take the the mixed reality black and white over the AR in that sense. My, my thoughts on this is uh, what if you're colorblind? It doesn't matter because you're never going to get color anyway. So oh, go get Harry, go get Harry in here see? to say that. See? Was and I have, I have things he's heard all year. That's, I have <laughs> some colorblind issues as well. I have trouble. See, to me, I feel like the pass through black and white is sufficient. The whole point of pass through for me is having the experience of being immersed in whatever digital stuff is happening, but also being aware of my surroundings more than just me finding that red grid that exists around me and my stationary guardian. I need to know that there's a wall over there. I don't need to know that the wall is blue. That's not important. So I think... I think I'd go with the Quest AR experience being better than in Unreal. Again, though, I would just ask, have you tried it? Have you tried any of the Quest 2 Mixed Reality games for more than five minutes? It genuinely gives you a headache to look at it for more than five minutes. I would no, recommend I, trying it. I, I am going to go and do that right after I charge my battery, which is almost dying. No, but like, Heaney, I guess what I'm getting at is there's, that, there's a dart game coming, a hand-tracked dart game coming for Quest. As long as I'm 95% of what I see is literally just this, me holding a dart in my hand and then throwing it off one after another. And then when I walk up to the dartboard, like, I don't know how that dartboard game is going to work. But as I, let's say as I walk up, it fades in the wall as I walk up to it and I pull out the darts or something like that. And I just have a few minutes of AR after mostly being in a completely virtual experience. That's... I don't want what you just described, to be clear. I don't want that cubism, uh, mostly AR environment. I want but, mostly but you, virtual environment with, I don't know, my immediate surface area in front of me visible to grab things from. But would you, if you were, if you had Project Cambry, if you had a headset with full pass-through color, high definition, would you then play cubism in your room versus the arbitrary virtual environment? Oh, good question. That's, See, that's I, what Mark that, Zuckerberg and Andrew Bosworth are testing right now. I, I guess that comes down to my point. I completely agree that once we get the color high-resolution pass-through, 
headsets are far and beyond superior to AR glasses for the foreseeable future, probably for five to 10 years, they'll still be superior. But when it comes down to the Quest 2 we have today in our hands, and whether you want to interact with content in your real room on that versus a transparent system, I, I think it's a much harder call. That is a challenge that I'm going to take, Heaney. I'm going to go find every single AR pass-through Quest 2 experience that I can get my hands on. I'm going to try them all, and I am going to make myself an expert on VR pass-through AR. There's there's got to be like five or six of those piano experiences at this point. And if you've got a completely virtual piano, but it's completely synced up to my physical piano and then i've got the notes floating at me over the top of the pianos that's is that ar heaney or is that vr or is that mixed reality and is that a better situation than when i'm getting out of the end light i think that's that would be mixed reality and my question is would you really prefer to have a bulky headset on and have your hand seen through hand tracking and then the the piano lined up rather than just having a pair of glasses on and seeing the information about the notes in your real hands. Yeah, I hate the low field of view that much, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess if you really hit the low field of view that much, then sure, but I couldn't imagine sitting and playing piano for hours with a Quest 2 on and only seeing my hands through hand tracking. I, th- I don't think you'd play very <laughs> well. well. I, I'm going to have to do that right too. Now. Why do I have to see it through pastor? These hands are just fine. I can. I was doing this whole like little thing this whole time of, this hand tracking is pretty good. I don't need to see my pastor hands, Heaney. Well, put them on a piano and see how well it goes. It's sure, we, we yeah, have a video. Of that. Harry, we need Harry again. I'm going to we'll do have, it. I read I Harry's have a keyboard. Uh, it was interesting. I have a keyboard. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do all of the, the pass-through AR stuff on my Quest 2. I'm going to try it all. I'll report back next week. I'll report back. Okay. Wow. Holy moly. I can't believe we actually got into all of that. And the fact that the two of you immediately disagreed with each other was spectacular. I couldn't do that again if I tried. But I will. <laughs> you will. I, of course, I will. Our, you our that, audience expects nothing less. Wow. Yes. Fantastic conversation happening here in the chat. I think that our audience is, is y'all are smart and you make good comments and you ask the hard questions. And I'm very excited that you all show up every week to listen to our banter and the news and us reflecting on all of the stuff that's happening in the industry. So please continue to come back and check out the VR download show. Sorry, VR download show. It's there's no the anymore. We dropped the yeah, great stuff. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. Tell everyone what what uh, what great content they're missing, so that they'll come and join you with this very awesome and civil discourse. Ian, it is Monday before American Thanksgiving. Do we have any encouragement that we can give our audience to oh, yes. go check out? the site and what do we got going on yes our i've been watching our uh, analytics do some crazy things as all sorts of people out there are realizing the vr deals trying to figure out what headsets to buy there's obviously the very large credit you can get if you go and get a quest 2 on either 
their oculus.com or other realtor realtors other uh, retailers you can get this $50 credit basically back and then i think you could combine it with the refer a friend deal and get even more store credit that's uh, going to drive a lot of people into vr this holiday season there's going to be a lot of people opening up their headsets over the next month we th- we're going to have we've got lists guides and we're going to be putting them up on a rolling basis updating them getting out our favorite games our favorite accessories come back tomorrow we will have we should have an interview here live in the studio with pistol and then on thursday on thanksgiving day we've got jamie and Zena over there in england and i believe they're planning to broadcast on thanksgiving day because uh, jamie did not realize it was thanksgiving this week i informed him of that this morning he didn't put two and two together so Oh, yeah. Americans have Thanksgiving this week. So he will be working on Thanksgiving and our global English speaking operation will have the latest VR news for you throughout the entire week and into the rest of the holiday season. Jamie didn't know that it was American Thanksgiving. I will mind. Yeah, I will. I will pardon him like the turkey he is. I will forgive him for that. Heaney, do we have anything fun and exciting that you can add? for this upcoming week i nothing that ian hasn't already mentioned there i think yeah you've mentioned yeah. the deal haven't you the MetaQuest deal yep then that's yeah that's yeah it. yeah cool yeah and jamie's ian and i are planning to get here early on thanksgiving i think i might work uh real early on thanksgiving to get out some of this advice out there it's yeah we've been trying accessories i'm wearing a quest 2 right now with the strap i've got a vr cover thing on here We've got, I've been using the Kiwi VR Kiwi grips, Kiwi design grips. We've, we're using so many accessories on these parts, and there's going to be a lot of people looking for those tips. And we're going to have, yeah, that's what we want to get into on Thursdays. Give everyone the, the best games, best accessories, get into all of that. And if you have any friends getting new VR headsets, come back. We've got the new to VR section at the top of uploadvr.com. But we obviously want to answer questions whenever we can. And we're going to try to get into some of those frequently asked questions on Thursday, I think. Let's answer a question really quick before we go. Andrew King asks, I have a 30% off coupon and already own Lucky's Tale and In Death on PC. I enjoyed both on PC. Which of these would you recommend I get for Quest 2? In Death? death? Yeah. In Death, they both said it. No contest. There you go. In-depth wireless is great if you haven't already played wireless on PC, assuming you're not using a wireless system. Fantastic. All right, folks, uh, like we said, if we don't talk to you again, happy American Thanksgiving. For those of you who are not in America, happy rest of the week and a regular Thursday. And uh, right, so stay tuned for all fun, exciting stuff happening this week. Go to uploadvr.com, leave a tab open for months and months on end. We don't mind. And uh, check out YouTube and all that. So I guess that's it, everyone. Thank you all very much for watching and or listening. We'll see you in the future. Bye-bye.